On today's episode of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, everything Super Bowl. Tom Brady is apparently the Alexander the Great of football. I don't know. DK explains it. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were washed out to sea, and Todd Bowles ate Andy Reid's double cheeseburger. Don't think about it. Also, we rank our favorite commercials. We judge the weekend. And also, shout out Left Shark, man. Wherever you are, we love you. Stick around. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. I'm Danny Heifetz here with Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. But before we begin, we would love to get your guys' feedback. It's the first time we've done this show on this feed, and we want to know what we did what we did well, what you guys liked, what you guys think we could do better. So please, we're not going to ask you to do a survey or any of that. Instead, just email us your thoughts at ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the show. We're happy to feedback. And yeah, we're curious what you guys think. So... Nothing bad, though. Please, come on. <laughs> yeah, we only want positive comments. We never asked you for Apple five stars. We're human We never beings. asked you for a survey. We're not going to be like, win a MacBook Pro. This is what we're asking you for. Just say nice things about us in this email, okay? <laughs> My God. Seriously, please email us. Okay. Guys, there was a huge game yesterday. Surprisingly <laughs> close. but The big game. The big game. Surprisingly close. Team Rough won 73-69 <laughs> in the Puppy Bowl. <laughs> Upset over Team Fluff. They hung in. Oh, what man. Immediate reactions. Your your advice about the betting angle on that was pretty horrific. Heifetz. How what was I there? supposed to know that Marshall was going to be the MVP of the game? <laughs> well, apparently it was a big comeback. You know, uh, Team Fluff was ahead early, but then Ruff came from behind. Boston Terrier, Marshall, 15 weeks old, deaf actually, and just mm. ran away with the game. Did like a spinning <laughs> double spin into the end zone for the first score of the game. Ran away with it. Unbelievable. Wow. It was more competitive than the actual Super Bowl. Right. You know, we were all excited about the Super Bowl, and we were also equally excited about the season ending. You know, it's been a long year. It's always nice to kind of take a breather. And luckily, the Bucs ended the game a half early for us. That was really nice. <laughs> yeah, this is like the second half was so boring. I was actually <laughs> talking to my friends about this. Was this Is this what it was like to watch a Super Bowl like the Seahawks beatdown of the Broncos back in the day? Because for me, that was amazing. And for Buccaneers fans, I'm sure the second half was just bliss. But yeah. for everyone else watching that game, it was just like, man, this game sucks. Like, nothing is happening in the third, fourth it was, quarter. Honestly, it's like one watchable quarter. Like the second quarter was the only watchable <laughs> yeah, quarter of that game. So bad. And the second quarter was watchable because teams were making mistakes. Like, I want to be clear. 
it wasn't fun as much as there were things to bitch about, which is a huge yeah. difference. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of penalties. There was at least, I think, two bucks touchdowns. There was stuff going on. Interception or almost interception. Okay. So let's just get to it. Let's just rip the bandit off. Tom Brady. Mm. <laughs> Holy shit. Dude's a fucking legend, man. Seven Super Bowls. It's more than any team. I will never get over that. Five Super Bowl MVPs. Like, again, five. Yeah. As you said, five Super Bowl MVPs. Joe Montana's next with four Super Bowls. The thing I can't get over is that football's a team sport. It is the ultimate team sport. And now Tom Brady is literally above every team, every franchise in the NFL. I, I think that is the most. It, it, it breaks what we tell ourselves about football and what it is. It breaks everything about longevity. It breaks everything about individual accomplishments. It's insane. Like, to hear what Bruce Arians said, uh, like, a couple weeks ago, he said, basically, that when Tom walked in, that changed everything. Mm -hmm. And, like, literally, yeah. it, you don't hear teams usually say, yeah, it's about the one guy, right? Usually, praise put on one guy. And like, no, nah, it's about everyone. And everyone and the Bucks like, no, it's about Tom Brady. He's the reason. It was, in the way that he said it, too, it was very interesting to me. Like, people begun to believe that yeah. they could do it. And I think that's so interesting from a professional sports point of view. Like some of these guys honestly still trying to figure out if they can believe, like, you know, get over that proverbial hump. Um, I was actually talking to Kevin Clark about this today. It, it reminds me a little bit and, and, you know, there's a couple different examples of this, but it reminds me of Tiger Woods in his prime, like the way he would just, I mean, he had beaten a good chunk of the field before they even like, Yes. Start the tournament, right? Just because of the intimidation factor. Michael Jordan was the same way. Um, and my dad always tells me about Jack Nicholas, who was his favorite athlete growing up, apparently. Um, he Nicholas in, in his book said something like along the lines of in fact, I'll just quote it. I always felt that the majors were the easiest because <laughs> you, the media, had eliminated half the people for me. So when you get down to the end of the tournament, there were 10 or 15 guys who had a chance to win a major instead of 40 guys who had a chance to win every week because the other 25 had eliminated themselves. And I don't think necessarily like Brady eliminated the Chiefs in this game because I think the Chiefs, I mean, coming off the of Super Bowl last year, they're believers. That wasn't a problem. But like just looking at Brady's overall, you know, like career, his body of work, what he's done, I feel like this is something that kind of applies. Like he is his intimidation factor is legit and it's real, especially in the playoffs. I think we're touching on the, the perfect thing here. I think that, like, I think Matt Stafford could have had the game Brady played yesterday. Like, I think Brady was fine. He didn't make any mistakes. Sure, Like, he, sure. he played a solid game. I really think that it, it was what he did for the team's culture. Like, how they talk, I, there was that mm -hmm. story about Jaden Mickens crying after, the, after the, yeah. they won the championship game. And he's like, why are you crying? Like, we haven't won the Super Bowl yet. Like, stay focused. <laughs> like, Act like you've been here before. Yeah, like, times. you know, this team was 79 <laughs> last year. And, like, Bill made the whole argument that, like, these guys want it so bad. And this is why he thought they were going to win. And Brady is, like, this, this, this beacon of, like, professionalism who, like, comes in and is like, all right, I'm going to, like, lead you all down the correct path. Like, you all have the talent. Yeah. I'm going to be the one who leads you there. And it was yeah. this father figure that they could all get behind. And I He's totally believe Moses. in that. Yes, I totally believe in that. Like, I don't think Brady's play— I think Brady's play was like 40% of why this team won the Super Bowl. And I think it was who Brady is was the remaining. Yeah, it's like half man and half the idea. I yeah. Mean, it, it's half about the on-field experience because, again, we zoom out for a second. And what really happened with this team, I think the simplest way you could put it for an on-field perspective is this was a team with a really good defense that in 2019, Jameis Winston had like 33 turnovers and or 33 interceptions and then like another 15 fumbles. And, and just Brady comes in 
throws more touchdowns, but cuts the turnovers by literally cuts it by like 25 or 30 turnovers. And then Mm -hmm. voila, they make the playoffs and go on and win the Super Bowl. But the off-field impact is so intangible, so immeasurable to go from a team that's used to thinking, oh shit, Jameis turned it over again. Like, oh, here we go again to Tom Brady. Like the intangible confidence of like, that's Tom Brady's my teammate. Like I keep coming back to like you say with Jaden Mickens, the story to me was Devin White who's upset they didn't make the pro bowler, the pro bowl. And Tom Brady's like, come on, D like, that's not the bowl we care about. And it's like, when you hear it from someone, it's like, whatever your dad tells you that. Sure. Tom Brady tells you that as your teammate, you're like, Oh, right. We all have the same goal. And it's wild. Like so much of that is true. It's not just the on-field stuff. It's literally the idea of Tom Brady's teammate kept them all focused on the same goal, which is harder than it sounds for an organization of 150 people in a pandemic. It's so dorky for me to make this comparison, but I'm going to do it because I'm a dad and that's what dads do. (laughs) But like, it does kind of remind me a little bit of like historical, you know, leaders in history where they have this aura about them where it, it like the people following them believe. So like, for instance, like Alexander the Great, like his armies were so indestructible in part because they saw him as like this dude who like you literally couldn't fucking kill this guy like he was at the, <laughs> he was leading these charges he was doing all this crazy shit alexander was and you couldn't fucking kill him <laughs> same deal with like julius caesar he had this reputation of being completely just fucking in like unkillable and so i think brady's <laughs> kind of the same way um where you know for whatever reason just inspires confidence inspires like you know this esprit de corps or whatever like among his among his teammates and so i just think it's fascinating the thing with Brady too is he has no peers. That's what's that's what's crazy. It's like yeah. they they cut to Brady as a touchdown pass, and then they cut to Peyton Manning, who's like, "Congrats on making the Hall of Fame." You're like, "Holy shit, he's been retired for five years." Brady's <laughs> made the Super Bowl four times since Peyton Manning retired. Man, <laughs> like, are you kidding me? He has three Super Bowls since he turned thirty nine. <laughs> he has more playoff wins than any other quarterback since turning 37 years old. Yeah. Like he, he's basically, here's the thing. The cool thing about Brady. And I think the point where Brady's kind of inarguably the, the, the goat is, and we're getting tired of the term, but whatever, who cares is that you, he had two hall of fame careers, right? It was like, he's a hall of famer from the beginning of his career. And then you could mark it wherever you want. Basically the ACL tear. If he had retired after the ACL tear in 08, he would have been a Hall of Famer, right? No question. Three Super Bowls, another fourth one, 18 in one season, Super Bowl, or Hall of Fame career. And then he's had another Hall of Fame career since then. The crazy thing now is like, is he yeah. starting a third Hall of Fame career? Because <laughs> he just won with his Bucks team, home Super Bowl. Everyone on the team's pointed at him like, this guy is like literally like our God or deity. And then if, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's won. First of all, we're going to go through another season of hearing, wow, Tom Brady's going to try to go back to back for the first time since... Tom Brady's Patriots went back to back 18 years ago. He's he's so close to having three Hall of Fame careers. I mean, he's lapping Joe Montana. He's lapping Elway. He's lacking Peyton Manning. As your editor, Riley McAtee, DK, pointed out, he's basically, his career is more impressive than Peyton Manning and John Elway, or Peyton Manning and Joe Montana combined. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, you run out of things to say because it's, <laughs> it, it's literally like never happened before. So, um, yeah, credit to him. Hats off to hats off to Brady. I, Riley actually said this, and he tweeted this last night, and I'm like, I totally agree with this. He's like, I'm done with the hate. I'm do- like, I've had a, a, a lifelong wow. hatred of him. You know, I'm just like, I'm in awe now. I'm just going to soak this in and watch it and, and, you know, try and enjoy, like, the prime of one of the greatest athletes ever. I feel the same way. I, uh, you know, I was always rooting against Brady my whole life, and you get to the point now where it's almost 
you know you're never going to see it again, so you almost want to see it get as yeah. big and powerful as possible because you know this will be what you're talking about for the next 50 years. So I don't, I didn't want Brady. I'm glad he doesn't have like five Super Bowls. I'm glad he has fucking seven. I hope he gets eight. <laughs> seven. We, the thing we've been kind of grappling with all month is we're talking about how there's this weird phenomena psychologically where we tell ourselves we root for the underdog, but we actually root for favorites to stomp underdogs. <laughs> and I think that this is part of it, right? Because at the end of the day, you want to say that you were alive to witness greatness. You want to yep. say you were there to witness football messiah or whatever we're going to end up calling Brady. <laughs> and everyone, every generation wants their Michael Jordan. And that's what we feel like we're watching. We're like, oh, not only is this happening, but everyone after this who comes after, we will tell that you have no fucking idea what you're talking about. This guy was crazy good. And we were there for it. It's just, it's, it's wild, honestly. And sneakily, I'm kind of stepping on winners here, but a tangential winner of this game is Eli Manning, because now he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer for beating Tom Brady in the Super Bowl twice. <laughs> He's like, what are those, what are those fish that swim along underneath the giant sharks, you know? Remoras! Like the- <laughs> Remoras! <laughs> How do you know that? That's how he's. That's how he's getting into the. A lot of life is sharks and remoras. The more you think about it, there's a lot of remoras in life. Uh, So yeah, you teased that we're going to get into winners, losers, superlatives uh, for the game and stuff like that. I did want to just point out one thing. You were talking about Alexander the Great. Googled him (laughs) because you just said, "Oh, he was like seen as this like immortal being. You couldn't kill him. Five feet tall, Alexander the Great." Well, people were yeah. People shorter back then, or no? That's the Romans. The Romans were shorter. The Greeks probably, I guess, were shorter. Yeah, Uh, they were all shorter. But there's something weird about the fact that I'm sure most of the army was bigger than him. No, but Napoleon, like the Napoleon complex, he was tall for his era. Like he wasn't short by average. He was short. Julius Caesar was five seven. Also, how do we know this? Who knows? Let me see how tall Napoleon. (laughs) It says Napoleon was five six. Alexander the Great was five feet tall. Who is writing down their heights accurately, though? And also, how are we converting this? There's so many questions. Why wouldn't they lie? (laughs) You know, it's like my high school football program. I said I was six five, two hundred and seventy pounds, or whatever. Like, like that. If I was the ruler of Rome, I would also lie about my size. You know what's one of the weirdest things about height and weight is that you can put whatever you want in your driver's license. Isn't that weird? <laughs> that is weird. You can say whatever the fuck you, you want. Just write you have it to in. sign the thing that says perjury or no? I didn't know that. I'm yes. Do that next and, and I'll tell you, this here's how I know. Because um, <laughs> you lied. Yes. When I was, I was really, I'm 6'2 now, but I was really small my freshman year of high school, like alarmingly little. <laughs> and so when I was getting my permit my sophomore year, right? I was what, 15 and a half? I was like five. Four, but I knew, or maybe this was when I was getting my license. I was really short, but I knew that I'm going to have this license for a while, and I'm absolutely going to hit my growth spurt. My brother is six three. My dad's <laughs> six into feet existence. Tall. Yeah. So I added like five inches. I said I was like five ten, and they didn't even check. No, they Come don't on. care. You do it. I added like twenty five pounds too. <laughs> uh, getting back to the Alexander slash Caesar comparisons, you know, both of those guys did end up dying in their prime. So I guess maybe that's not the greatest example. Well, they're warrior uh, kings. I mean, that, that, that happens. <laughs> it's their version of retiring. Are the, Ides, are the Ides of March coming for Tom Brady? We'll find out. The Ides of March, he signed with the Bucks in March and he was fine. I mean, has anyone had, uh, again, <laughs> not to belabor the point, but we're going to belabor because it's Tom Brady. March 17, or March 18, that was my birthday, actually. March 18, he signs with the Bucks. This two-day spank, because two days earlier it said he was leaving the Pats. Let's just go through this for a second. He decides to leave the Patriots, which, again, has basically not worked out for any great quarterback, really, except Peyton. Joe Montana is out there, like, doing radio interviews saying, hey, I wouldn't leave if I was Tom Brady. That's Tom Brady's childhood idol. He says, screw it. He leaves the Patriots, joins the Bucks. Not only does he join, convinces Gronk to come, lobbies for them to get Antonio Brown, and convinces Leonard Fournette to sign. Those are the three dudes who scored the touchdowns in the game. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Shout out to Peter King for pointing that one out. The thing's crazy. I mean, I wrote about that last night, Heifetz, too. Oh, yeah. Shout out record. to you. You and Peter King. Shout out to me and Peter King. If I set the line for for how many more Super Bowls will Brady win at 0.5, what are you taking? Over. I'm, I'm done doubting him. That was <laughs> yeah. in the back of my mind the whole time. Well, we were picking I'm the convinced Chiefs. he's going to play till he's like 50 now. So he'll, he'll get a shot at like a few more. He said he'd be done at 45 <laughs> and now he's, he's going to be 43, right? He's going to be 44 this next season. Yeah, he is 43 right now. I mean, do you think he's, I, I, I'm pretty confident he's got two more seasons. I'm guessing at least two more, three, <laughs> at least three more seasons. Yeah. His birthday is August 3rd. I'm August 2nd. Look at us and NorCal boys. Ooh, We're pretty yeah. much the same person. It's absolutely insane. Okay. <laughs> Should we talk about other people than Tom Brady? Yes. Let's get into some superlatives. All right. Biggest winner from this game, Tom Brady's number one. All right. Do you guys have winners other than Tom Brady? I want to I wanna go first because it's a little bit of a good segue because you, you'd mentioned the, the Fournette thing, the Gronk thing. I'm going to give one of the biggest winners to Jason Light, the GM of the Buccaneers, who let's, let's just back up a little bit. Not only did he add those three guys that ended up being really crucial points, uh, really crucial pieces to this championship team, scored touchdowns in the Super Bowl, but he built a roster and a coaching staff. Well, I don't know if he built the coaching staff. He, he had a hand in the coaching staff. No, he hired, I think he hired Bruce Arians. Right, but I don't know how much Bruce Arians then chose his coaching staff, oh. if that makes any sense. But whatever. Regardless, he put together a roster and a team that was attractive enough for Brady to be like, okay, I'm going to come over to this team and win a Super Bowl yeah. with this team. You know, he had, it's not like Brady had necessarily had his choice of any team, but, you know, I think he saw this roster and was like, I can come in and make this team a Super Bowl team. People said this when he signed. At the time, it sounded maybe like a little bit like a bridge too far because, you know, Brady's coming off of this down season. He's 43 years old, whatever. Gronk is the shell of his former self. He just spent a year partying and, and, and doing WWE. All this stuff. Like, Fortnite was a washout, like total draft bust at this point. But all these guys came in and um, rallied around Brady. It was ugly at first, but... They all kind of like came together, um, started getting on the same page later in the season, and then really just turned into like a buzzsaw late in the season. So, um, yeah, credit to Jason Light, who in doing this, I feel like earned himself another probably 10 years on the job. And um, yeah, credit to, credit to him for not only building that roster, but then like finding these little pieces that would complete the, complete the puzzle. Like no one would have thought Fortnite would be like this crucial piece of the puzzle. He's he's one of like only a few players ever in super in, in NFL history to have 400 plus yards and four touchdowns in the playoffs. And like seven out of the eight guys that have done that are in the Hall of Fame. And then there's Leonard Fournette and Hakeem Nix. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Hakeem Nix. Let's fucking go. Yeah, man. DK, you talking about Jason Light's ability to like recruit Tom Brady. I feel like the Bucks getting Brady was like getting Daniel Day-Lewis to act in your movie. Like you gotta yes. really have every all the stars gotta align. You gotta have the perfect script, best director. Yes. It's the perfect time in his life. It makes a ton totally. of sense. No, see, I don't. It's not Daniel Day Lewis. It's LeBron. That's really what happened here because it's like LeBron with the Lakers. Because apparently, what happened was Brady. Oh, came I thought to you were Bucks. saying it's like getting LeBron to act in your movie, and I was like, well, I don't know. That would be Did pretty you, hard. I liked him in Trainwreck. I thought he was a little too earnest, but I like. No, I thought he was great. There's charisma there. Like he's better than you'd think for an like a like a player, and he's obviously, and obviously he ages well. So you would think he'd get better acting over time. Space Jam Two's coming. Oh my god, I cannot wait. I we should do a whole podcast on that at some point. I think <laughs> that if I don't know the plot to the movie, I should just write a better movie because I know what the, it should be about. You want my Space Jam 2 pitch real quick or should we oh, we'll save it for another pod? 
We'll save it for another pod. We got a long off season ahead of us. Yeah, we got a long <laughs> off season. <laughs> yeah, we gotta fill some. Episodes. We have an actual football game to talk about. Yeah, right. So the Brady signing with the Bucks thing, I think it, it's it reminds me of when Kevin Durant was asked about signing with the Knicks, and and he basically said the Knicks are not what's going on. <laughs> like the Knicks are not what's cool. Like you have to build something. <laughs> for us to come like free agents don't want to just go into a barren wasteland like that. And he talked about signing with the Nets because the Nets had made the playoffs like they had players and pieces there. And that's what the Bucks had, right? Like Brady walks in. He's like, holy shit, these receivers are amazing. This defense is great. I can do something here. It's not just putting your stamp on something. So, yeah, I think Jason Light built an amazing team. And also he had a weird start to his tenure as a GM there. He drafted Roberto Aguayo as a kicker in the like 2013 or whatever. Yeah. He's washed out of the league. Like it's unbelievable. And then now he but they stuck with him. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely got some he's got some misses on his record. And, and that's why Huge I say he bought himself he bought himself a few more years in the job because I feel like coming into the year before they did all this like, you know, signing Brady and all this big stuff, like people were like, is this guy like They'd been cycling through coaches, like you know what I mean. It wasn't like it's a one of the worst franchises, yeah, in, in the NFL. Like, like the Bucks, or sorry, the the Browns, the Lions. Those are the teams that get all these. You know, we know are bad. The Jets. Here's the the stat that blows my mind. There's so many. Tom Brady has I forget the exact number. It's basically his like 268 wins in his career. The Bucks as a franchise have like 288. <laughs> Like the Bucks were established before Tom Brady was born, and they have twenty more wins. It's insane. <laughs> oh my gosh, was it was it correct that like they hadn't had they hadn't been to the playoffs in thirteen years? I don't know. I didn't double. Yeah, it was like that. a huge drought. Yeah, because the Browns drought overshadowed that the Bucks hadn't been there. And yeah, like oh, that's right. So okay, so Tom Brady's a winner. Jason Light's a winner. Who else? Who else are the winners from this game? We got to talk about Todd Bowles. I mean, yes. yeah. I've never seen the Chiefs look worse, and Mahomes was <laughs> right. pressured on over 50% of his dropbacks, and they just completely dominated them uh, through four straight quarters, and shouts out Todd Bowles for doing a fantastic job. Yeah, I think the Jets head coach and just the general Jetsiness made people forget Todd Bowles was an amazing defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. To your point, mm -hmm. again, can't say this enough, the Chiefs didn't score a touchdown. Yep. I mean, holy crap. I don't know what know. the prop bet odds were that, but there's always like first touchdown score and then there's the no touchdown option, which I've looked at for 10 Super Bowls in a row. I've never once done it. But <laughs> I, you mentioned the pressure stat. The crazy juxtaposition here is that Brady was pressured fewer than any of his 10 Super Bowl appearances. And Mahomes was pressured, I think, the most in any Super Bowl ever. Yep. And of the 29 pressures he was pressured, 27 of the 29 were four-man rushes. Yeah. 27 pressures of the four-man rush, which they try. I think ESPN stats and info tracked it. Basically, it was the second best game for the four-man rush in 10 years. Wow. Jeez. Well, that's how you beat the Buccaneers, I guess. Or that's how you beat the Chiefs, yeah. <laughs> that might be how you beat anybody. I mean, if you yeah. can have four guys... <laughs> To, to like create that kind of pressure that besides a quarterback, maybe that's like the most important thing to have on your team. If you, I mean, it's probably hard to get to a Super Bowl, obviously, but if you can get there and have that line, you're set. And it wasn't just coming off the edges either. It was like no. coming from every direction. They did it. There was a scatter chart that we were passing around last night where, you know, showed where Mahomes was throwing his passes from. And dude, the guy had to like escape the pocket on like, Every other play, it, like maybe like three quarters of his passes, he had to like bail the pocket almost immediately because pressure was coming right up the gut. I wanted to ask you about that, DK. I thought they turned 
Mahomes into Russell Wilson circa 2017. Yeah. yeah. In that yeah. there was this two or three year period where the Seahawks line was so bad that Russell and also Russ is short that he just started running around in this backfield on third and mm -hmm. ten and just started do, making shit. And that was what Mahomes did in this yeah. game. There was this yeah. crazy stat from Next Gen Stats who's been tracking. They literally have chips in the players' pads and they track every step they take. And they've been doing it for five, four years. And Mahomes ran while scrambling. 497 yards while scrambling from <laughs> pass rushes in this game, which is the most they've ever tracked for any quarterback ever. Are you serious? Which is fucking oh bonkers. Yeah. Almost 500 yards of running from defenders. I mean, think about running 500 yards. Like, he was tired. He also has turf toe, or whatever we yeah. renamed it. And he was limping a little bit. Waddling around, yeah. I imagine running five football field lengths doesn't help your turf toe. No, and he's like constantly looking over his shoulder. He couldn't spend any time looking at his receivers if they were open because he's like constantly seeing which D end is going to drill him. Yeah, I, I mean, that was absolutely, absolutely nuts. And I, I think, you know, it's funny how this works, right? Because the Brady, the, again, the crazy thing about the Brady thing and the reason I think it reminds me of LeBron picking a good situation and getting Anthony Davis is that the key to beating Brady for whatever was the four-man rush. And Kevin Clark always talks about this. It's kind of like a silly thing to say because you can beat any team with a four-man rush. It's like... If you can beat if four defensive linemen can consistently beat five offensive linemen, you're going to win the game because that's how math works. But that Brady was seen as so good. That's the only way to beat him. And that's how the Giants beat him twice. Here's the thing. This Super Bowl is Brady in like a WWE thing teaming up with the four man rush. Brady went out and found a four man rush and now won a Super Bowl with it. And it's kind of like the super. It's like <laughs> I don't know enough about comic books, but it's like a crazy kind <laughs> yeah. of team up. In that, how the hell are you supposed to stop this? Like, Brady is... The craziest crossover event of the summer. <laughs> yeah, <it's> fucking crazy. <laughs> that really is what it is. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Yeah, we got honorable mentions here for winners. Anyone yeah, we got want a lot of honorable up? mentions. Rattle off a few of them, Hyphen. I want to shout out Byron Leftwich for just, this was the most play action the Bucks used all year, and their offense looked better than it really did, except for that weird Lions game. The NFL show feed's going to have Warren Sharp on it on Wednesday, and you just know this dude's going to talk about play action of the Bucks. Oh my He's God. just going to flip oh, yeah. out over it. He, his heartstrings must be so torn, because on one hand, they ran on first down a lot. They did on the other hand, they used play action. <laughs> yeah. It's like they half listened to him and half completely ignored him. Yeah. Well, it yep. worked, so. I also want to shout out Antoine Winfield, the Bucks safety, who gave Tyreek Hill the peace sign. Throwing up after the deuces. Not a fucking penalty. What are we doing? I, well, he got in his face. That's what... Who if he had walked away while doing it... He didn't even touch him. Like, what are we doing? It's football. He put up a peace sign in his helmet. Guys <laughs> so like... So you, you want to change the rule. You want to change the rule is what you're saying. I just think it's insane. Guys like Mike Evans yeah. and Marshawn Lattimore like fight each other every time they run around. <laughs> There's like no penalties on 90% of those plays, but he puts a peace sign up. That's ridiculous. He so said true. peace. He was saying peace. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Do you even know what that means, Mr. Ref? <laughs> Winner, uh, the Bucks defensive line. I mean, again, we mentioned that, but I just have to shout out. This is an unbelievable group of guys. Uh, Shaq Barrett, free agent, gonna make a shitload of money. He led the, oh, yeah. he led the league in sacks 2019 and then he's gonna be a free agent now. But Jason Pierre-Paul 
after, I mean, literally blowing off one and a half fingers with the fuck by holding a firework on 4th of yeah. July five years ago, getting into a car crash that broke his neck that he said was way worse than losing a finger, like mm-hmm. way worse recovery, comes back and is now 8-0 in the playoffs. Two playoff trips, two Super Bowls. Wow. Not bad. That's pretty good. Good for JPP. Happy for him. Another winner, the city of Tampa Bay. It's now Champa Bay. Hmm. It's pretty Probably good. one of the weirdest cities to have like just a dominant year. Like I can't think <laughs> of another <laughs> right. <laughs> like normally it's Boston or New York yeah. or some shit. Yeah. It's like Tampa Bay. Actually, LA. and I think it's I think Tam- people from Tampa would probably be pissed because the city's actually called Tampa, isn't it? It's not even Tampa Bay. No, this is a huge thing. There's Tampa Bay and there's Tampa and it's 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 a whole Oh, I didn't know we, that. We, I'm, we not the, I'm not aware of Florida correspondent. I'm not aware of like to fix that. Yeah, the particulars but, of it. We de- we definitely do need to get a hold of Clark. But think about this. the two title cities right now. You've got LA who had the Dodgers win and the Lakers win and you got Tampa Bay <laughs> who won the Stanley <laughs> Cup, the Super Bowl and was like a Blake Snell sub in the World Series from winning the World Series too. So Bizarre. that's insane. Bizarre. Only in 2020. Quick shout out Lenny Forns, you know. Big contract coming for him hopefully. <laughs> Big Lenny Forens. I will say so. Heifetz before the before we were talking about Forens last show, he asked me just like straight up, like is is Leonard Fournette good? Like just tell me straight up, is he good? And I was like, he's fine, he's fine. Like he he's, yeah. he's a he's decent. <laughs> he's there. He looked good in this game. He did. I, I will say that. Like he looked fast. He looked elusive. He fucking trucked a couple guys. There was a one of his most famous runs in college was literally like he pointed to a guy like 10 yards down the field and was like i'm gonna fucking run you over and then they ran each other or like he ran him over and he did something very similar to that in this game where what it was guy. like don't try and go around the guy i'm gonna go through him i'm going to annihilate this guy maybe maybe lenny needs like the spotlight to really succeed maybe he hated being on we have to get maybe- lenny on this podcast we absolutely have to do it <laughs> We have to. We, we were huge friends way before this moment. The other thing I want to say about Lenny real quick before we move on is he, he had a, that championship, that NFC championship game run that he had against the Packers where he did like a, he leaped over a guy, spun move back to the inside, went down, like twirled into the end zone. According to NFL Next Gen Stats, that had a 0.4% chance of being a touchdown based on what? like where the defense was and where the run started. His touchdown run, it wasn't as impressive like just looking but next gen stats had that one at 0.9% based on kind of like how the defense oh. like came down to line and he like bounced it. So like it was a good run too. So he had two of these like amazing runs in the Super Bowl. Like I can't I can't say it enough like he had more than just like some rotational backup running back yeah. playoffs. Like his playoffs were fucking legit. Snickly, he was like really the key to the Bucks offense. That's a crazy thing to say, but the reality is that the, Roma pointed this out that, I mean, he had four catches for 46 yards, but that he was the key to the Bucks figuring out what the Chiefs did on defense because basically they were doing this weird stuff where the safeties would turn their back at the play and they were close to the line of scrimmage and then they'd run back. Whenever they did that, they just checked it down. It just took, mm-hmm. you know, eight chunk yards. And that was huge because the Chiefs couldn't really try to fool Brady as much. The other, the, I have to shout out another Bucks running back though, is LaShawn McCoy, who was yeah. on the Chiefs last year, <laughs> inactive for the game, won a Super Bowl. <laughs> now on the Bucks this year, inactive for the game, wins another Super Bowl. Is this better than being the backup quarterback? <laughs> Back-to-back Super Bowls, didn't fucking play, wasn't on the roster. I don't even know if he was dressed. Wins two That's rings. really the dream He's job the, right there. I un, un, You got to you got to auction off those rings, right? Sell those. <laughs> Put even wear You them? don't need them. You don't even you're not going to remember those games. Oh my god. All right. Anything else? 
No, biggest losers. Yeah. Unfortunately, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, holy shit. I mean, it's bad. Creamed. It was. I would say it's not his fault that this happened no. because the line he was, was the atrocious. Best but it's a bad time to have like your worst game. <laughs> it's the worst game <laughs> of know? his life. Roger right? Sherman, our colleague, shouted this out. That I mean, it, I don't think he ever scored single. He didn't score single digits in the NFL. He didn't score single digits in college. Oh and gosh. Roger Sherman basically couldn't find that he scored single digits in high school. It's the worst. Well, yeah, game I'd of be his shocked life. if Mahomes scored single digits in high school. I think the lowest he scored in high school was like twenty nine points. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus. But again, he played well. He had some incredible. He plays. was under siege. Yeah. He was ran four hundred and ninety seven yards of just running from defenders. That's that's yeah. that's taking the L. Most impressive incomplete passes I've ever seen. I'll get I to those. Stood up out I got those chair. on my list. We're going to talk about those. Yeah, we'll yeah, get, we'll to, get those. to those. Let's not step on those. But I do also want to say the go talk is over. Like that's really why he's a loser. Like it's over. Like well, for the, now. No, it's no, it's over. Now people's it's I think it's probably true hyphens, but people's memories are pretty short. Like we'll, it doesn't matter. We'll talk about it. It doesn't matter because think about if the gap between LeBron and Jordan was seven to one. Think about how hard it will be for Patrick Mahomes to get. He has to win six more Super Bowls. Mind you, he's twenty five. He's already getting hurt. Second of all, even if he somehow gets to seven. He still fucking lost to Tom Brady, got steamrolled in the one game he played to Tom Brady. Yeah, but what if he wins 10 Super Bowls? He's not going to because we just talked about how insane what Tom Brady just did. It's like Dan Marino yeah. was the Mahomes of his I era. Mean, probably we have not. seen a Mahomes before. <laughs> Dan Marino made, I think, Super Bowls in his first two years or whatever and then never made it back. He never even won one. Like the idea that Matt Mahomes even makes three more Super Bowls is just some inevitable thing. It is so hard to get to a Super Bowl. The GOAT thing is over, of among no. at least among active players. Absolutely. I don't know. I, I think Mahomes could win like six MVPs, and even if he wins like no. three no or four No one Super cares Bowls. about MVPs. It's ring talk. If, Le if Michael Jordan beat LeBron in the finals, not beat his ass, like, like a sweep, because that's what we just saw. You, th you think LeBron could be the GOAT? Absolutely you know what, not. You know what this discussion, I can already see this discussion in like 15 years is going to be. It's going to be Brady's the greatest of all time. Mahomes is the most talented of all time. Yes. Yes, that's fair. And that's that 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 is probably true. He is more talented. But guess what? 43-year-old Tom Brady just wrecked <laughs> Mahomes the Chiefs with 25-year-old Patrick Mahomes. I mean, like, Brady didn't, but yeah. I, I understand you know, like, that. But <laughs> I understand that. And look, if the teams were switched, Mahomes is probably going to win the game too. I'm just yes, saying that yes. that's how these conversations go. And you're kind of, at some point, the wins actually do matter. It's like the most reductive argument. And then you go through the nuance and then you come out at the end of the nuance forest and you're like, actually, it's about the wins all over again. So, yeah. Okay. Other losers here. The Chiefs offensive line. I feel like they're going to be blamed about this for, yeah, I mean, for obviously. all time. Put in a tough spot, but <laughs> did not perform. Tough. No, certainly not. Also, Eric Bieniemy, Not the hottest game plan. This one, I'm kind of like, I struggle with this one a little bit because on one hand, it's like, yeah, you knew this was going to be an issue and you had no answers for it. But on the other hand, like, it's pretty fucking hard to, like, make a game plan if they're just getting pressure every fucking snap with four guys. Like, Well, like, how about you make an adjustment? I don't know. They scored zero touchdowns. The f four of the Aaron Schatz tweeted this. Four of the Chiefs' offensive linemen from the Super Bowl started in week 12 when they played Tampa Bay. Obviously, Eric Fisher was the other guy, was the fifth guy, but, like, I don't know. <laughs> Did Mahomes' fiance tweet something along the lines of my husband can't throw a pass and catch a touchdown on the same play? Like some, like whatever it is. He that almost did that the last time they played the Bucks. <laughs> yeah. He straight up what almost is it? did that. What is, so, whatever Giselle said oh, Giselle a few years ago. Like, Giselle blamed Wes Welker. 
Yeah. Although, honestly, Brady, that was a bad pass. Mahomes should have had two touchdowns. I'm just going to say that. His players, his players fucking dropped two touchdowns. The real reason the Chiefs lost is because of Patrick Mahomes' brother, Jackson Mahomes' awful TikTok presence. <laughs> it's really bad. You, it's really bad. The, I, 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 the I worst TikToks. I feel bad for the kid. You know that we got to need that Aaron Boone mic drop when he's like, I feel bad for you. He's going at the ump. That's how I feel about Jackson Mahomes. He's just doing these TikToks. He's like, like up in the box in the booth, like doing dances. And it's just, it's not. Part of me's like, hey, it. you know what? He should do him. He should be his own person. Like do it. And the other part of me is like, dude, it's because of your brother, man. Like, I don't know how to tell you. It's because of your brother. Like, no one's ever going to look at you through the lens of anything other than your Patrick Mahomes' brother. I have absolutely no clue what you guys are talking about. Look up Jackson I'm Mahomes. Look, I'm going to look this TikTok. up, yeah. We're t- uh, there's going to be a, a company called TikTok, and when your son is an adult, he will pay taxes to this company, <laughs> and they will own all of his data, and that's that's what we're talking about. Um, okay. Other, I don't think the enemy is a loser at all. The enemy, I mean, look, Andy Reid gets the credit for this offense. He should also take the blame. Uh, I think Andy Reid, here's my issue with Andy Reid, the fucking timeouts. The clock management stuff was <laughs> dead. Andy Reid's reputation as a clock manager was like, it was over, like he won the Super Bowl. Everyone got over it. The fourth They're down back. call two weeks ago. It's Those timeouts before the first half ended were straight up like, I try not to use the word dumb or stupid. Like Andy Reid literally has forgotten more fo- about football probably this year than I will ever know. <laughs> He's not dumb. He's not stupid. However, if in the same situation someone had done that to me in Madden, I would have fucking laughed my ass off and called them very bad names. Like that I was know. the dumbest shit. I, I, there was actually a moment with the camera pans and it gets to remind people of the situation. The Bucks got the ball back with like 50 seconds. It's 14. The Bucks have 14. Chiefs have six points. The Bucks get the ball back with like four, like 50 seconds. One timeout. They run the ball and don't gain any yards. That's it. It's second and 10. They're going to let it expire. They're going to go. They're happy to go to halftime. But Reed calls a timeout and Brady looks confused. <laughs> Brady's like, oh, they're going to let us do this. They run a screen to Godwin. Get eight yards. Third and two. And at that point, you're like, you should. They call another timeout, and then the Bucks like, "Fuck it, we're going for it," and they got a touchdown. We've out of it. seen this fucking movie before. It man. happened like- two weeks ago. How did this <laughs> happen? How on earth would you be like, "Hey, they have time"? They're get- the Chiefs were getting the ball to start the second half. How they didn't look at this as, "Hey, we had a terrible half. We're still only down eight points." Tom Brady's over there. They're not trying to score. Thank God, they're not even trying to get in field goal range. That's good. And they like look at the ball. We'll get it. We got a two-point play. We'll go. We'll go down. Get a touchdown. Two-point tied at fourteen, and we'll win the game. Yeah, it was extremely wishful, desperate thinking. I think he was really greedy and just like maybe we can squeeze out some points. Yeah, it was so greedy. Anyway, Andy Reid, that's loser. That's loser. Yeah, and along the same lines, talking about that same like drive, the refs had a rough night. Heifetz, I think you're the only one that kind of like doesn't think this, but. Everyone else I've seen is like the refing was atrocious. Like it was incredibly slanted against the the Chiefs, especially in the first court in the first half. I mean, we got like former referees, you know, coming out on Twitter and talking about how like this is atrocious. We like this is not how these games had been officiated the last couple of weeks. Like there is no consistency. It's a major problem. Now the Chiefs did shoot themselves in the foot on a couple of them, like lining up in the neutral zone, all that stuff. That is that's legitimate, but like the pass interference penalty that that um the second one, not the one on Mike Evans, but the second one, that one was terrible. The pass was like uncatchable anyway. Like there was just so many plays where the refs had these little ticky tack things and they and they called it. Whereas like in the NFC Championship game, it was just let them play. 
Do you know anyone who wants <laughs> the referees to call a tight game from a fan point of view? Like, just let them play. No one wants to fucking see you referees Not, How about this? How about this? Not even from a fan point of view. What about just like players, coaches? Do you think they yeah. want tight games? Dude, the referees don't even want the referees to be the story <laughs> after the game. It's so bizarre. I, to me, it's just like, man, let them play. Like, if something egregious happens, fine. But I don't the know. Two the two PIs To me, rough. the referees were just really bad in this game. And I think that really did swing the game in the Buccaneers' favor. The irony here is that this was remarkably it actually was the best season of refereeing i can remember in a really long time because <laughs> yeah, they didn't they do really it. <laughs> shifted the emphasis to we're only yeah. calling shit that affects the play they basically like oh holding on the other side of the field there's no there's no fans i feel like they were probably less influenced by maybe yes, but by, i don't think so so the, the guy who runs that crew it's carl sheffers sheffers i don't know how to pronounce his name his crew which is not the same as this game but his crew in the regular season called the most penalties per game in the regular season so it was kind of par for the course why did they have this guy else. do the super bowl i have no idea i have <laughs> so no idea bizarre. that's a bad decision but that's the worst call right he's having the guy who did the most penalties do the super bowl but the yeah. thing here's my thing with the penalties yes they absolutely called the game tighter then the championship games were called, the playoffs are called. It's like this was tighter than the regular season. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be the opposite. The playoffs are loose in the regular season. Having said that, I don't give but, a fuck, man. I don't care about any of this. Like, the Chiefs were fucking outplayed in every facet of the game. And I mean that literally. And they also made mistakes that were just stupid. Not like yeah. bad luck. Just mental mistakes which is unforgivable when you have two weeks leading to the super bowl mm -hmm. the stepping here on like the biggest mistake of the game or the worst play of the game to me miko hardman lining up off sides on a field goal attempt <laughs> on fourth and five is yeah. without like i'm being serious that's like some high school football shit even in college you don't see he was he wasn't even close he was like a full yard off sides gave them a first down they scored a touchdown the next play that shit that doesn't Brutal. happen in the nfl Brutal. that's not how it works so I'm, i don't want to hear about the refereeing when you're doing that i don't want to hear about the refereeing when your punter punts a 29 yarder a 27 yarder <laughs> and drops a fucking snap in like a five minute period that's your special teams i don't want to hear about yeah. penalties and then you've got bashad breeland one-on-one -on -one with mike evans and bump and run Sorry, there was PI. Don't do that. Yeah, but you're also not answering DK's question. Like, did you think the calls were good? <laughs> so I think half, I think the only, I don't think there were as many questionable ones as other. People were bitching about the Mike Evans one. He fucking tripped him. That yeah, but the fine. ball yeah, was, the, I think the ball was uncatchable. Not the Mike Evans one. The other one, the other PI, honestly, I don't remember it. Well, that one, I, that one. The Tyron Matthew bounds, one in the right? end zone. That one is a terrible call. Yeah, that was atrocious. You think uncatchable, something like that, that should be reviewable because if it's like in the fucking stands, that actually is like a black and white thing, but we don't have to get into that. That's a terrible call. I agree that the peace sign thing, it's a little, you know, who knows? Ridiculous. But I don't think that, I, I just, I saw them make too many mistakes to feel bad for them, put it that way. I think that's true, Ivis. And it, when you really sum it up, like... You're right. I mean, the Bucks won the game. We have no problem with that. Yeah. At the end of the day, the Chiefs, they did, they did... uh just about everything that they could do wrong, they did in this game. It was a game from hell. Oh, and, and we are leaving out the biggest penalties, the defensive hold. Penalties, the drops, bad special teams, uh, and just like everything, it all compounded together. Yeah. yeah, how about the interception they had? That's the thing. It would be, I'm not I'm not saying it wasn't a bad call. The def oh, actually, that was the worst call probably. It was the defensive yeah. holding. And, and I'll admit, that was a huge play. But here's where I come in. Yes, that sucked. However, on that same drive, that ended up being the one with the field goal, right? Like that ended up being the one that turned into a field goal that turned into a touchdown because of penalties. 
that sucked. However, the Chiefs didn't, as the game went on, it, the penalties got less and less important in my mind because the Chiefs didn't show, did they have two drives where you're like, oh, well, if they had the, if the calls had gone the other way, they would have done something with the opportunity. No, they wouldn't have. They sucked. And therefore, it just doesn't matter to me, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm not, I, yeah, I'm definitely not in the camp that would say that the Buccaneers didn't win that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the Buccaneers won that game. They handled that game. They dominated. I think you're saying the Bucs didn't win that game. They didn't deserve to win the, the rest <laughs> job than they wanted no. Brady to win. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. All right. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the best play of the night. What'd you guys think? Well, what's funny, because we have best play and worst play, and I think there's kind of one that is both. I had, I had one, I had two plays that fit into both categories. <laughs> best slash worst. And that would be the two incredibly absurdly awesome Mahomes escapes and touchdown passes that doinked off his receivers' faces. <laughs> Two of them hit off the face mask. Granted, yeah. I know that they were not like easy catches. I'm aware of that. Like, I get it. For all you people that are like mad at me about, you know, saying that these were drops, whatever. They were fucking drops. It hit him in the face. <laughs> Absolutely uh, fucking drops. <laughs> <laughs> One of them was thin. Regardless, like one of them was here's, here's the thing. Still. Like, if they had caught those passes, you're talking about two of legitimately the greatest Super Bowl plays no, ever. I ever. completely agree. Hyvitz has a great tweet too. Check out the tweet of Mahomes literally oh horizontal God, with the, the ball still. He's levitating. The photos of this throw. Specifically, it's the one where he it's unbelievable. He rolls left and then he has to roll all the way right. He's running and, and Sue catches him from behind. And he's he is literally parallel with the ground in the middle of the game. <laughs> It is like Avatar Last Airbender. It's like the assassins had wanted. It honestly looks like Iron Man. It looks like he's flying like Tony fucking Stark. Yeah. If The Rock jumped out of a skyscraper and like threw a football, it would be Patrick Mahomes. It looks like, (laughs) honestly, it looks like a really stupid sports movie. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Right. Yeah. And CGI. It's so hard to not be hyperbolic like the day after a game. But you're right. Like that hit. It, it, not only did he get the pass off, it went 30 yards on a rope into Darrell Williams' fucking face mac. It literally <laughs> hit him between the eyes. If it was a sniper shot, it would have been a headshot. It was fucking insane. <laughs> it would have straight up been the best play I think I've ever seen on a football field yeah. at any level, including college or high school. The one to yeah. Tyreek was pretty damn impressive too. Like it would have been yeah. incredible. He like escaped to the right, went back to the left, whipped it up like across his body. Yeah. And it hit Tyreek... It went straight through his hands and hit him in the face. <laughs> through his hands. And at first I thought it was tipped. It was not tipped. It hit him. At, uh, that, it was it, tipped by Tyreek Hill's own hands. It was tipped by Tyreek Hill's. He doesn't have great hands, honestly. He's fast, but he's not DeAndre Hopkins. No, his, his hands are pretty questionable. So, like, looking at this game, if you're a Chiefs fan, the, the what ifs or, you know, they're just like, man, if these one or two plays had happened differently, that's just going to be really brutal to think about forever. Because literally, if those two plays get completed, we're talking about a different game. Yeah. The the deep one to Pringle, it was Pringle, right? In the corner of the end zone? Oh my God, yeah. Or was it you, the one that hit the pylon and wasn't quite there? But that one was also fucking nuts. That might might have been the best throw I've ever seen a human make. He was <laughs> like 20 <laughs> yards behind the line of scrimmage. Like wasn't even looking. He chucked the ball perfectly to the corner of the end zone. Dude, he and did the way like the, a spin. Yeah, and the way the camera, yeah, he spun and then threw it. And then the way the camera angles worked, it looked like Pringle caught it. Oh, I know it what you're talking about like now. Frankel I remember what you're it. talking it about. It did look like... Like a one-handed <laughs> diving grab? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, what the that fuck? That was nuts. He was in the art. Like, I, I have to be fair for a moment. 
I will say, if Josh Allen had done that, I would have thought it was dumb. And Josh Allen did do that in like his first preseason game, like something very similar. The difference is it was not close to being caught. Like Mahomes was like, you know, 18 inches off from that big a catch, which is in seriously, the three incompletions are straight up, I think, three of the best incompletions I've ever seen. Two of them yeah. hit the guy in the fucking face. <laughs> I can't get over from, it. I'm clear, never gonna get from over this. 30 and 40 yards away, respectively. Yeah, also, like, what's up? Everyone in the Chiefs had the dropsies. I mean, it used to be the Bucks. Kelsey, now it's like Kelsey's yeah. dropping balls. Tyreek, it's bad. Kelsey was invisible. His stat line's very deceiving. Hollow stat line. The crazy thing about Kelsey is that he looked rattled early. I don't know yeah. why, but something about the way... Romo made a good point about the way Levante David for the Bucks, who's super underrated linebacker, was playing him. Basically that Travis Kelsey does what Gronk does. He runs right at you basically bumps you and then makes his route and it's fucking impossible to cover him. So what happens is defensive backs who are smaller, like take a step back to kind of like absorb the blow. Levante David didn't give a fuck. He was like a brick wall. He just fucking hit Kelsey and bumped him and then ran with him. And he knocked Kelsey on his, not on his ass, but he knocked him back. And Kelsey seemed unable to respond. David was like undercutting all of his routes. There were so many plays where he was like getting a hand in to the passing lane. You know what I mean? And just like playing sticky coverage. David, to me, David is one of the most underrated players, you know, maybe ever, just because like he's been so good for his whole career, multiple all pros. Nobody ever really talks about him. It's kind of strange. Uh, it's probably just because he's in Tampa Bay or whatever. And now, like, maybe that will change. But yeah, he's just been an awesome player. There's for his a whole crazy career. stat. Levante David, I think I said this on a pod. I don't care. I'll say yeah. it again. He doesn't get too much press. Guys with a thousand tackles, I think it's uh, 20 picks and 10, or sorry, 20, 20 tackles for loss and 10 interceptions in their first eight seasons is just Ray Lewis and Devante and Levante David. Yeah. He's in, and he just, no one's ever heard of him. Yep. Anyways, he's just really good. All right. There, there's the mishmash of like winners and like the uh, winners and losers. And oh, sorry, that was best and worst plays. Any other worst plays here? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Every chief's third down. <laughs> <laughs> Every time Mahomes is like, Sprinting backwards before throwing it's, the ball. Dude, it really is wild. It's kind of like <laughs> if you didn't know anything about football and you watched the third downs, you would assume that some part of football is you have to like run like 20 yards back and then move forward. Like you like it's you're not allowed <laughs> yeah, to just go forward right. immediately. <laughs> yeah, if you're an alien coming down and be like, what the hell is this? Uh I'll say before we go back to before we move on, one of the best plays. The Gronk TD was really fun. The first touchdown, yeah, where he ran like uh, he did like a basically like a switch release thing where uh, or not switch release, but he ran behind the offensive line at the snap from right to left. They did a RPO with Brady kind of like like deciding whether to hand it off the, to the right, and then when they saw kind of what the defense did, they passed it to Gronk on the left, and then he scored. It was just like a cool play. Um, obviously, Gronk had a huge game, couple touchdowns. Looked like his younger, more sprightly self. And so that was a big game for him. I just like the play design on that one. Yeah, that was really cool. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, starting May 8th, wherever you get your podcasts. Should we do a little Super Bowl burn book? Sure. You guys want to burn someone? DK. I mean, Hart, Hardman, rough, yes. rough outing. Absolutely. I, it's, it's to the point where, like, you know, he, he had a lot of hype coming in because obviously the speed is there. The big play potential is there. And I kind of have bought into that multiple times over his career. But it's like beginning to wonder. It's making me begin to wonder if he's ever going to be a thing. Yeah, it's kind of like Mike Williams. I feel like every year I'm like, Mike Williams is finally going to be good. And he kind of just never is. <laughs> so yeah. I, I actually think Miko Hardman is a super, like going to be a really underrated player next year because the profile of whether he was a worthwhile fantasy player this season was always like, will he be ready in 2020? He's 22. He turns 23 in March. Still the, got time. The problem to me is mental. And I don't mean that like, I just mean that like he's not ready yet. Like the reality is like, again, being off sides on that special teams play is just, you know, you're just not paying attention. That's a problem. The other problem is he's not in tune with the offense. There are two plays. I think they're both in the first quarter. Maybe one was in the mm -hmm. second where Mahomes basically had a hot route. Like he, he's under pressure. Hardman's open. I mean, by Mahomes standards and Mahomes just whips a pass that should be right in his bread in Mahomes bread basket. He's just not looking yet. And that's not, I mean, that's just him not really understanding. That's not him seeing the forest for the trees. If Mahomes is under pressure, I'm open. Like look for the ball. And he, that happened twice. Like he could have had 80 yards on those two plays. He had to finish with like three. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I honestly don't know what his responsibility was on that first play that you're talking about, where basically what he did was an end around. He ran up the sideline and pressure came and Mahomes tried to whip it to him. And, and Hardman was just still running. He didn't even look yeah. for yeah. the ball. I don't know what his assignment is, but I, I think like what you can say in general with, with young receivers is a lot of the times, these routes are uh, they're they're called sight adjustments where you have to look at what the defense is doing and adjust your route based on what the defense is doing. I'm not 100% sure that's what happened on this play, but in general, that's why you see a lot of these guys where the quarterback is throwing it to a spot and the running and the receiver just keeps going. It's because they didn't get the sight adjustment. You have to do that. It's not communicated either. Yeah. It's just the receiver and the quarterback have to both see it and adjust. So, that's kind of one of the intricacies of playing receiver that like maybe most people don't realize is like those side adjustments happen on like every fucking play. So it's yeah. like, it's very complicated. It's not just like an easy thing to go run a route. You know who got better at that throughout the season? The Bucks. Yeah, exactly. The Bucks exactly. were not good at that in week one. And then for the Super Bowl, they're all on the same page. Yeah. We talked about that all year. I mean, there's just like five plays a game. It felt like where Brady's throwing it to a place and no one's there because like the receiver's just not on the same page with them. In the end of this game, they figured it all out. They were really peaking. All right. So, Mecole Hardman's in the burn book. Well, it's a little harsh, but it happens. Okay. <laughs> I got to burn the audio producers for this weekend halftime show. Craig, <laughs> I, I, need, I need to seek your expertise here. I heard the opening of this, and I was just confused. Like, I thought that not having people in the crowd would make it easier, but it sounded off. And I don't know, Dick, about, like, how music <laughs> is supposed to sound. But <laughs> if I notice it, that's a huge problem. What was the deal? First of all, I don't know what the actual deal was. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, why does Craig knows? know? <laughs> you're at a, you're producing a podcast. You know more than I do about audio. 
Right, because the producing a podcast is similar to the fucking Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> Sorry, I believe in you. Maybe I don't Thank believe you. in you anymore. Now, listen, I agree. I mean, I just think it sounded quiet. It sounded like the levels were off. Like whoever mixed it, it they weren't the weekend's voice with the background vocals with the, the instruments. They were not uh, mixed properly. But here's the thing. And I say this with great kindness and reverence for the people who do the thankless work of, of working. You know, there's the weekend is one person and there's like literally 200 people behind him to make that show go on. You've never heard of. However, how is the audio off at the Super Bowl halftime show? How is that possible? I feel like it's always a problem. I think it's really hard to one, like put on a concert like that on TV at a halftime show. Where you got to roll everything out in between a football game and then and then roll it back out 30 minutes later. Honestly, half the time SNL performances don't sound good. I, we got a long <laughs> way to go. That's a good point. Okay. As an industry. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of things that can go wrong. My burn book inductee is uh, whoever designed the weekend's box of mirrors thing. That that whole <laughs> oh, really <laughs> light chaos mirror box. That was a bit much. Didn't love him, that. Him like trying to, frantically trying to find his way out. <laughs> so I thought it was weird at first. It was shoveling coal into the meme fire for sure. Yes. Like, I thought it was weird at first. I'm not going to lie. Maybe I'm basic. After I saw the memes, I was like, all right, fuck it. That was definitely a net good for society. And now I watch oh, and I laugh. Yeah. yeah it's like the, it's like when Katy Perry did the halftime show and there was that yeah. left shark. <laughs> left like, shark. It's the new left shark. We're still talking about left shark. There's like multiple people I saw. I think e even uh, Arian Foster <laughs> was talking about left shark yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> We're still talking shark. about it. Isn't it funny Seven that Left years shark, later, Left Shark is a person who just like walks around every day. And <laughs> the greatest fun Can we get Left time. Shark on this pod? Oh my god! <laughs> We're gonna have Steven Glansberg, Left Shark. We're gonna have the most random guests adjacent <laughs> to the game of football of all time. <laughs> Wait, here's the thing. Do you think Left Shark has an NDA? <laughs> yes. You think Left Shark's identity is concealed because he's not contractually allowed to admit he's Left Shark? I need to I need to go on some deep Reddit board and find out who Left Shark is. <laughs> if anyone has any information about Left Shark, please email the Ringer fan <laughs> Ringer Fantasy Football at gmail.com. Literally just thinking about Left Shark makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this this weekend box of mirrors thing will not be as funny as Left Shark. It's kind of like the Bernie meme. It'll be funny for a week or two and then it'll cycle out. But yeah. the memes were insane. The memes were hilarious <laughs> Left and worth Shark. it. <laughs> we're still talking about it seven years later oh my god oh my god all right what's all right, next i have to the, my favorite weekend one no, was the was someone said that it was like when the server's taking me to my table at the cheesecake factory <laughs> <laughs> just losing the way fucking labyrinth of, of booths and <laughs> tables okay Anyways, uh, what do you guys think was the most Tom Brady thing that happened at the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah, this is a fun superlative. Most Tom Brady thing that happened. I think it's that everything went wrong for the greatest offense of all time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that is true. very Tom Brady. I was going to say something very similar, and, and basically it was like Tom Brady is so all-powerful, a.k.a. he made a pact with the devil <laughs> at some point in his career, that it completely fucking psyched out the opposing team once again. Two, two Super Bowls now in a row where his opponent didn't score a touchdown. Not bad. <laughs> I didn't think about that till right now. The Rams scored three <laughs> points. And that was like that. one of the greatest offenses of all time too. Well, maybe that's hyperbole, but like they were a good offense. That's also how he started his career was beating the, the greatest show on turf Rams and Belichick's defense shut down what was then like the greatest offense anyone had ever seen. 
and just shut them down. And it's it's so dumb to nitpick. He's got but yeah. Seven this rings. is fuel to the Grady's not the goat fires. Like he's that's fucking- the thing. It, he, the problem with the Brady's <laughs> not the goat, or the problem with here's the. And I used to be a person who picks through Tom Brady's thing and be like, look, he was the game manager for the first trilogy. And then the Seahawks Super Bowl was literally decided by a play that he was not on the field for, and that it, you sh- like his legacy should not be able to tilt on whether the Seahawks ran with Marshawn Lynch. Sorry to bring this up, DK, but the mm. reality is, if he was on the sideline, he would have been three and three in Super Bowls at that moment. But then it's like he keeps going and going and going, and at some point, the amount of excuses you have to make, the totality of the argument is just over- exhausting. Quite frankly, <laughs> you know what though? In that Tom, in the in the in the Seahawks Super Bowl. The Left Shark Super Bowl, as I like to think of it. <laughs> was that the Left Shark one? <laughs> yes, that was the Left Shark Super Bowl. <laughs> wow. Uh, he, I mean, he entered, he engineered a 10-point comeback on the on the Legion of Boom, which was at the time one of the greatest defenses That's of all true. time, literally. So it's not like he lucked into a Super Bowl win on that one, okay? I just want to point that out. That's true. He was also in the Super Bowl where perhaps a team had the greatest offensive collapse in football history. No, he Falcons. gets credit for that one. <laughs> if the Falcons credit. did literally one thing right, he probably doesn't win that Super Bowl. That's, That's true the too. Jack Nicholas like intimidation factor thing. Like they're like, oh That's shit, true. Brady's coming back. We're not, we, yep. and then we all froze up. Yeah, I think it's true. The crazy thing about that one is all the Belichick criticism would have started right there because he traded away Jamie Collins that season. And if the Falcons had just scored one more touchdown, everyone would be like, You could have used Jamie Collins, Jackass. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. How do you think this game will be remembered? What's the one play you guys will remember from this game? What's the left shark of this game eight years from now? I think we all have the same answer here. Honestly, for me, it's the levitating photo. Yeah. Which is silly because he didn't even... It was an incomplete pass on the losing team. I think that's exactly why. It's it's all of the crazy incomplete pass. All of the Mahomes scrambling getting chased for his life. I think that's what we'll remember this game. Were the there any, by. yeah, were there any signature player plays that the Bucks made? No, I, I'm going to sound like a douchebag, but the reality is that sport is like this weird branch of art. And like the art you remember is usually the ones that just, you've just never seen before. It just changes. Like it's a genre bending thing. The Mahomes incompletions were straight up like nothing I've ever seen. They looked more like video game glitches than anything I'd ever seen in real life before. And frankly, I wouldn't have thought they were possible if you had, just told me about them. I had to see it to believe it. And I think we remember them more because he's not Russell Wilson who's kind of does it all the time. Like, I've never seen Mahomes like this, which is why I think I would never forget it is I've never seen him so flustered. You ever seen him struggle? No. Or be frustrated? His, he's got such a head tilt. I feel like the more he frustrated he gets, the more tilted his head gets as he talks to his own line. Oh, that's good. So does have a tilt. I want to say one other under the radar moment that was pretty cool. And this is trying to be you know, objective because, you know, I probably haven't been the biggest Tom Brady fan of my career it, during, during my career, but <laughs> such a diplomatic way. I thought this it. was a cool moment was when Brady threw his first touchdown to Gronk. There's the first touchdown of the game. They went to commercial playing bad boys for life, which was the yeah. song Brady had put on his like little vine or <laughs> snap or whatever it was. I think it, was it was an Instagram his, video, Instagram yeah. video. Sorry. Um, where it was like him and Gronk, Walking to the plane after they'd won the NFC Championship game, and it was just like they had in the background, you know, yeah. bad boys for life. And I don't know. I just thought that was a pretty slick move by the CVS crew to like put that in the in the like outro to commercial right after they scored the touchdown. So that was a cool moment too. Yeah, they spent so much time getting the rights for that they couldn't handle the weekend's halftime show, <laughs> but they nailed that. <laughs> they blew their wad in the first quarter. Oh well. All right, commercial time. 
the most important part of the show. Did you guys even watch it really? Or? I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I did not watch very many. Oh, I think more commercials were watched this year in quiet peace more than ever because nobody was hanging out because the I pandemic. Agree, yeah, most the people could hear the commercials. And that is sneakily one of the most annoying thing about a Super Bowl party is that everyone talks during the commercials and then you're like, wait, I want to see them. And then you don't want to be the guy who's like, can everybody be quiet? I want to hear the commercials. And yeah, because like, <laughs> no one, what are you actually doing? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was actually working during the commercials. I don't know about you guys. Same. Well, that's that's the thing. It's like once I've started doing this professionally, it's like, you know, you I was just slugging Heineken. Yeah, same. I love it. Love it. So <laughs> slugging. In a frozen mug? Better be a frozen mug, dude. Anyways, I watched the commercials this morning so I could participate in you this. You watched wa them again? Well, I didn't really watch them the first time. What a fucking wow. pro. Consummate professional. So I, I, I have my rankings here. I think the one that I enjoyed the most was Jason Alexander Hoodie. That one was hilarious. Probably because I'm Jewish and I love Seinfeld, but I thought it was unbelievable. Also, my sweatshirts are garbage. The subtlety of that commercial was that, I mean, the song that they played in it is important. It's Believe It or Not by Joey Scarberry, and that's the song that George leaves as his Answering machine. Believe it or not. Not, I'm not, not at the not, phone. Not. You don't know that? No, I do. Yeah, it's uh, please leave a message at the yeah. beep. I think that was my voicemail in high school. <laughs> Great. Anyway. I'm looking at your guys' uh, your list here on the dock and... In true 2020 fashion, so I don't know if you've seen like the memes about like how the headlines in 2020 are just like fucking ad libs of like the most random weird like <laughs> yes. possible things. What do you mean? Like Elon Musk tweets about Dogecoin rocketing it up 1,000% <laughs> yes, meme exactly. stock, meme altcoin that doesn't have value? <laughs> what what universe are we living in right now? There was Yeah, anyway, I don't want to even try and like remember some of them, but the one one description you guys have written down here, Heifetz, Sam Jackson sparkle stick eaten by Juju's orca whale. <laughs> that one was what? funny. That was a weird commercial for, was it, 5G or something? And he just got to eat. It was like a play on Deep Blue Sea, and he just got to eat. It was pretty funny. It's like shock value thing. There was one commercial I did watch, and I see it's listed here. Craig has it. The Michael B. Jordan Alexa commercial was pretty funny. That one was so fucking funny. That was the only commercial I like genuinely. <laughs> I missed that one. <laughs> like the the husband guy's like, hey, what's going on in there? You didn't see it, <laughs> No, I missed that one. It's the it's like the new Alexa, and this woman's like, wow, what a sleek design. She was like, I couldn't imagine anything Alexa could be inside that like is that sexy. And then looks at a bus and going by in the bus is a picture of Michael B. Jordan. So then she imagines what <laughs> Michael B. Jordan as an Alexa would be like, and it's just him being super sexy, like all through the house. <laughs> And the husband being like very concerned about it. He's like, it's wet enough. It's wet enough out here. <laughs> That's really good. She's like, he's like, she's like, Alexa, like, help me cook dinner. And he's like, I bought groceries. Why are you cooking dinner? Like, I already have food. Stop. Really it was great. Oh my gosh. That it's weird that that was an Amazon commercial, though. I don't equate Amazon with being funny. That's just wait. It'll be funny when you're paying them taxes. Yeah. <laughs> The, the sneaky bar for commercials, if it's not actually a good commercial, if you don't remember what it's for. And for that reason, I thought the best brand, like the one that was just a good idea in the pitch meeting was Drake from State Farm. I thought that was pretty good. It was a really good commercial. I bet you the idea, I mean, whoever thought of it, it's a great pun. It's easy. Jake from State Farm. Drake from State Farm. It's all just comes down to like, is State Farm willing to pay Drake $4 million to That's do the, the commercial? Because it's, 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 to me, it's more of an SNL skit. I, I'm surprised like Drake's on SNL one day and they're just like, hey, Drake from State Farm. I, it was actually a better, like, it's actually a better comedy idea than a commercial. I'm surprised they actually pulled it together. Drake is quite a good, I mean, I know he was an actor at Degrassi and stuff, but like Drake is actually really good at like comedy acting. It's 
better than LeBron in Trainwreck. Like the music video for, sorry, DK, we're talking about Drake. The music video for <laughs> yeah, uh, Last Now like Cry Later. You know the song, the YouTube video. First of all, they, fil- the, they filmed the music video at the Nike factory. It's unbelievable. Like it's just him taking a girl, literally in the factory. It's amazing. But there's an outtake from it where he's like acting and it's just like him crying about the pandemic. And it's, it's honest, it's hilarious. He's like, I just got to channel my warrior spirit. Yeah, it's Drake's just, pretty good. He's a good actor. Yeah. Number one commercial was the Reddit one. It was five seconds long. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> that was funny. And there's just a screenshot. You can read the screenshot. I thought that was brilliant. All right. Worst commercials? I do remember. I, I remember the Oatly one. That was one of the few commercials I remember. The, the CEO guy singing. I can't tell if it's a great commercial or a terrible commercial because one, everyone remembers it. So we're all talking about it. We all know what it was for. That means we all it was, know it was successful. Oatly. Super successful, but also like undeniably uncomfortable and weird. That's yeah. like the difference between the greatest quarterback of all time and the most talented of all time. It's like this was the most <laughs> successful commercial, but none of us enjoyed <laughs> yeah. it. I will say I I did not fact check this, but I did see someone tweeting about this. Apparently, this commercial, the reason it was, it's kind of like a it's like a cult classic commercial. It's like this commercial was filmed apparently in 2014. And oh shown i think the target audience was japan or something it was like another market but oatly got sued by i'm just gonna say japan they got sued by japanese dairy farmers for for saying something like you know it's better than cow's milk or something so they took it off the market so they've been having they'd had this commercial like in the vault for years (laughs) and for whatever reason they, they wanted it to be like this like gorilla marketing thing and so they they played this terrible uh commercial despite the fact that some of the big investors in Oatly are like really famous actors and musicians I don't know off the top of my head who they are but like probably could have done a better job <laughs> so anyways yeah. I think that's kind of interesting and and the fact that I fucking looked this up and read about it says this commercial worked exactly. yeah I mean it worked how about the Doritos <laughs> thing they really tried with that one they really tried with those like Flat Stanley but Flat McConaughey yeah Doritos goes hard every single Super Bowl what do you guys think about the Doritos Third Crunch? Will you eat the Doritos Third Crunch? Assuming they don't advertise in this podcast and pay us money. Absolutely. I mean, if somebody, I'm not going to buy it, but if somebody gives me one, I will pop one in my mouth happily. I don't know if I'm going to do it. You, what? You're just not going to try a chip? What's really? What's the upside? It tastes good. What's the downside? The downside <laughs> is I like them and then I fucking eat more Doritos. <laughs> okay, the well, last thing fair. I need in my life is more Doritos. <laughs> you know what a Doritos tastes like, so don't. I mean, it'll taste. The I know. Same, what if like, the 3D is better? What if I've just I eat one and I have this moment of ecstasy, like, like epiphany, where it's like, wow, I've eaten 2D Doritos my whole life. Now I have 3D Doritos, and I start thinking, and I buy more. I'm like, I don't want more Doritos in my life. I'd rather dwell in ignorance, leave me in my cave, like Play-Doh, and I don't want to know about the 3D Doritos. I want to live in my flat world, and I, I just I, I don't want the. <laughs> possibility of eating more Doritos in my life. Do you guys not remember that these were already a thing? Those tubes of like little 3D chips. There was like 3D Funyuns, 3D Doritos, 3D whatever the fuck else. There, yeah, that's those how they are, get you. People who are listening who know what I'm talking about are going to relate to this. There were tubes of little 3D chips that have already existed. That's them red pilling you. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps it is. <laughs> what are the little, what are the little, oh, uh, things that you put on your fingers? Like uh, they look like they're conical shape. Bugles. <laughs> Is that, right? yeah. is that what they are? You, I used to, yeah, you make like your claw hands with yeah, them and yeah, you yeah. eat them. Whoever thought of that was brilliant because I still remember that. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, what else we got? Is that it? Uh, yeah, I think so. The last thing here, it's the showdown time, the final standings. We, we're not just like 
slipping this in. This is big. I know we're on like minute 70 of the show, but like <laughs> our first ever showdown on our first year of our first feed. Triple showdown. <laughs> you can have the most and you can have the biggest lead ever, but there's only one person who can ever win the first showdown time. It was close. It was, it a was close. close. Pulling up the rear is Craig. Incorrect. No, I'm kidding. I lost. <laughs> <laughs> I was like I double taking. I was double taking at the dock here. I'm I'm pissed because I would have won, but Craig and I both had Kronk, Gronk, and you won the you won the trivia off for for Gronk. Yeah, I love it. This is the point of the game. This is why it's. Like I mean, the, I also the lost the. I lost the trivia for Brady. If I would have kept him and Gronk, I would have. I would have gotten first. But then that you would be the subject of the sentence and the topic, and I'd prefer to focus it on myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I, I 327 points, Craig at 337 and a half, and then DK barely Bit. clings Ooh. up to first place with 344. Six point win. God, if Mahomes did anything, I would have beat you. I had Lenny Forens. Lenny Forens came through for me, you guys. This is like two years in the making. Playoff. I mean, Lenny. I screwed myself, DK, because we lost the Tom Brady battle, and I had to choose between Mike Evans and Lenny Forens, and I took oh, Mike Evans. Yes. Yeah. I just think it's very fitting that Lenny Forns, Lenny Forns, playoff Lenny delivered me the championship. I deserve the loss for not picking Lenny. But more <laughs> importantly, Heifetz. <laughs> so I brought the 999 <laughs> to this podcast. It, and now I have to do a 666. Six, 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 six. Yeah. What is this? It's Alvin Kamara's six touchdowns. I have to watch, watch the game. Six hot dogs, six beers. Six no, no, servings of mac and cheese. Oh, six, six mac, mac and, and cheese, cheese servings. <laughs> Guys, I'm having issues with dairy. I don't think that this is a <laughs> go vegan. Vegan mac and cheese is fine. Oh, oh actually, I might actually because I've just lactase has recently been introduced to my life. Is there oatly mac and cheese? Oatly that would mac work. and cheese. <laughs> might oh, as well good try it. I might have to do it. Okay, we're getting out of here. Yeah, we should mention here. So you know, regular season's over. We will be sticking with everybody during the offseason on Wednesdays. Every week up until the NFL draft in the end of April, we'll be doing Wednesday shows once a week. Stick around. We got a lot of cool stuff planned. Well, it's not cool stuff planned. Danny Kelly is the resident draft expert of the ringer. He does a scouting guide with 100 players. He's going to talk to us about the draft. We're going to go over team needs and free agency and trades. And, and when Carson Wentz cries like a little baby out of Philadelphia, we'll be there covering all that stuff. Dynasty. Dynasty. Mm -hmm. We're covering Wednesdays and it's going to be great. And also, so yeah, Wednesdays and then also just genuine like heartfelt shout out to everybody who listened to this podcast all season, especially if you stuck with us through the playoffs. We've had an <laughs> awesome time doing this, but honestly, the best part has just been kind of interacting with you guys. Like if anyone who emailed us in, I'm sorry if we didn't get everyone, but we did see all of your emails and it was just honestly awesome. And this was our first season under the new banner and this was great. So thank yeah, you from the bottom of our hearts for listening. It's been a pleasure, you guys. Yeah, it's hard to start a new feed, and uh, you guys were great. This was a really hard year. Like numbers were down across the board for like fantasy football searches, like in August. So, because of the existential crisis of our time, because of the right. existential crisis. Correct. But you know, we're grateful that everybody listened and stuff. <laughs> but genuinely, thank you, Devin, for listening. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. But most of all, I mean, what would we do without? Thank you, Lord. Lord, I'm gonna give a shout out to Katy Perry for Left Shark. Oh, Left Shark. <laughs> A perfect ending. I don't know if I've said that before, but yeah, left shark. Oh my God. All right. We'll see you guys next Wednesday. <laughs>